Well, good morning, family. How are you today? A yes would be okay, a head nod. How are you all at home? Maybe give me a big whoop whoop or a amen there on Facebook or online. It's just good to see you all this morning. Let's try this again though, okay? Because I'm feeling a little lonely up here now. So let, let's try this again. How are you doing this morning, family? I'm glad to hear it. Good. <laughs> hey, I want to say a special howdy to the Farmer family, to Tom and Carol, to John, to Cheryl, and all the others who are joining us. Welcome, welcome. Listen, our church's mission, we've said this a million times, we'll say it a million times more, our mission is to be a reproducing, multiplying church, disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, and we keep doing this until Jesus comes back or we die, whichever comes first. That's our mission, and to see what our brothers and sisters are doing is so encouraging, and I hope that you are encouraged. Listen, one of the ways that we get to participate in the mission of God is through our giving. It is a biblical precedent but it's also a biblical opportunity to be able to say with, to God with our wallets that we trust him and we want to be a part of what he is doing. And I, I got to tell you, I'm so grateful to be part of a church that is so generous and so, so kind with your time, your energy, and yes, even your talents. And so we're going to take a moment here, invite you, if you've not already given this morning, if you don't already give online, I invite you to go online right now. You can hit the give button there. Uh, if you're here in person and you don't give online, but you came to give with check or, or, or cash, there's a giving box in the back. Yes, we are a touch-free church right now. All my hugging friends are really hating that. But you can give because we believe that as God, as, as we open our hearts and our wallets to him, God uses it in powerful and profound ways. Uh, and in fact, this morning, some of you have asked, well, how do I give? I, I want to give specifically with missions. That is great. If you want to help and have a specific contribution with missions as well as your regular giving, uh, in the check, just put missions. And you can mail it in or you can drop it in the box here. But we're going to do that here. Now, while we're doing that, I also want to give you all a moment to reach out and virtually touch someone. So grab your phone. Go ahead. This is one of the only times your preacher is going to tell you to get on your phone in church. If you're joining us from home, I want you to grab your phone as well. We're going to take about 30 seconds. I want you to reach out and say howdy to at least one person via text. And if you're not fast with your fingers, then I want you to stand up and I just want you to wave to someone. In fact, heads up here for just one second. Eyes up here, just one second. Ready? I want you to lock eyes with someone that you've not already spoken to this morning. Go ahead. Look around. Give them a little wink since they can't see you smile. And then do a little wave. Would you do this? Just Let's do a little communal wave. You ready? And then go ahead. 20 seconds left. Go ahead. Say hi to someone. And then we'll dive into this morning's text. Feel free to finish that text as I get going here, but again, it's good to be part of a church. Hey, one of the fun things about being a minister is I have the privilege of doing premarital counseling with newly engaged couples or performing weddings or vow renewals for people. 
And one of my favorite questions to ask people who have been recently engaged is this simple question that you all have probably either asked someone or been asked at some point yourself. If you're dating, married, widowed, any of those, I mean, you've probably heard this or been asked this or even asked this of someone. And here's the question. How did you all meet? I love asking the question. How did you meet? Tell us your story. And I love it because in that moment, almost always it's the girl. Now, sometimes the boy, but almost always the young lady's eyes brighten, the mouth opens, and words just start pouring out. Detail and detail, more and more. Now, of course, the guy periodically will interject and sort of raise his hand like, um, and he'll share something just to kind of let me know that he was also there as well, and he can prove it because he remembers something from it. And then she, of course, will be real sweet. She puts her hand on his hand. It's like, well, sweetie, actually, we didn't meet there. We met at freshman orientation. Or we bumped into each other at that party. Or it was this situation or that. And then inevitably, as part of the how we met one another story, is that very simple part where they begin to talk about what they noticed of the other person. And the guy will say, oh, it was her smile. When she smiled angels began to sing. The light in the room got brighter. My eyes, I couldn't see. It was brilliant and beautiful. <gasps> it was her smile, first thing I noticed. And the, and the girl, she's like, oh, it was, it was his arms, those big, strong arms. Actually, that's not usually what she says, but that's what every guy wishes his girl would say. And then, of course, there's these different things. Oh, it's the eyes. It was, oh, it was the sound of their voice. Oh, it was thick head of hair, whatever it was. But you know the one thing that I have never heard anyone ever say was the first thing they noticed. The thing that just captivated them, that drew them in, was their feet. I have yet to have some guy say, you know, when I saw those great big clod hoppers, whoo, baby. It was all over. I knew I had to make her mine. It was a moment that I saw those toes dangling that I was like, yes, she's the one for me. You never point out the feet as the first thing you see. At least you don't do it if you want to stay married. But isn't it interesting? When Paul is talking about the beauty of the follower of Christ, he doesn't start with the eyes. He doesn't talk about the mouth he doesn't illustrate using the hands. He says in Romans ten fifteen this phrase, put it up on screen. He says, how beautiful are the, say this with me, feet of those who bring good news, the feet. He says, oh, you want to know something that gets me going? It's the feet of Christ followers. It's these beautiful little appendages that are moving from point A to point B, bringing with them this beautiful news. Now, of course, the reason we don't think feet is because we know what our feet look like. And we've seen our feet. You know that you've got four toes that are normal, and then you've got that one little toe that just sort of dangling off by itself like some sort of weird mutated appendage. You know, like, my feet ain't beautiful. Or, or you know that, you know, that sometimes after you've been outside, they get a little stanky and you're like, my feet are not the most pleasant thing. I don't want anyone looking at my feet. In fact, that's why we do our best to cover our feet often. Have you noticed this? Now, I know I see a lot of sandals because it's warm weather, but many of us, I have a buddy, he will never, ever, 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 ever go outside without shoes on. 
Socks and shoes. Everywhere he goes. We went swimming, socks and shoes. I was like, dude, that is weird. He says, you have not seen my feet and you never will. He says, I cover them because they are not that pretty. I know what they look like. And so we end up covering them up with socks and shoes. Or maybe we, if we know they've got to stick out there in sandals, what do we do? We paint them. We do a little camouflage action. So they're covered or camoed, one or the other, because we know what they look like. And you understand, every one of us have parts of our lives that are the stinky, smelly part that we know and no one else knows. And we say, we don't want anyone to see the feet of our lives. And you understand right now, I'm not talking about those little appendages that get you around. I'm talking about those moments in your past or in your story, the things that have been done or that you have done or been done to you, the things, the places, the people that you just kind of go, oh, I want to just cover them up. I want to camouflage them. I don't want people to notice because I'm ashamed of them. And yet it is this thing, this part that Paul says, inspired by God himself, how beautiful are your feet. He says, you got some good looking feet. You say, yeah, but you don't know what they look like. And God says, I know exactly what they look like. But our God is not in the business of merely restoring and redeeming the parts of our lives for which we are proud. He is not the God who simply elevates the things that we think are excellent. He is the God who comes into the story and says, I want to redeem every part of you from top to bottom. I want even to redeem the moments and the parts of your past that you think are nothing more than smelly, dirty feet. In fact, that will become the thing that I glory in the most, calling beautiful, because in the worst parts of your life, life as I redeem them, God and others will see the best part. He says, this is what's so beautiful about it. And so he says, how beautiful are the feet. But notice it's not just any feet. It's the feet that bring, that carry, that herald the good news. Good news. Oh, how many of us could use a little bit more good news right now? Can I see some hands? Anyone else? Or, or maybe would any of us say, I'm tired of good news? I mean, I've just heard way too much. Every time I turn on the news, it's just way too much good news. I'm tired of it. No. We are hungry for good news, both globally, nationally, locally, and even in our own homes, schools, workplaces. He says, how beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. The Greek word that we usually have translated is euangelion, the gospel. The gospel, when translated, literally means good news that brings joy. He says, how beautiful are the feet that are the joy bringing, the good news bringing, the happiness bringing kind of feet that tell us that the end is not over, God is not done, Jesus is not dead, heaven is waiting, hell is real, so get ready, go on, tell others how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the message that Paul is sharing in Romans chapter 10, and he says, oh, God loves your feet if they are gospel-caring, gospel-sharing, good news-bringing kind of feet. He says this is such good news. Now, this little word, gospel, or good news, was not first introduced in the New Testament. It had been used for centuries. In fact, in 490 B.C., 
There was this conflict between the superpower of the era, Persia, and this much smaller power of Greece. And the Persians had come in. They had overthrown and enslaved many of the Greek city-states. But finally, there was this epic battle at the place called Marathon, where the Greeks, the Athenians in particular, fought the Persians, overthrew them, kicked them out. They won a decisive victory over the enemy, and after the battle, they sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to share the good news to the rest of the Greek cities to say that we have great news. We have fought a battle on your behalf. We have won. You are no longer slaves. You have been set free. The good news went out. In fact, some of us today will beat our bodies up and run these things called marathons in honor of those who ran the 26 miles roughly from Marathon to Athens, bringing the good news that the enemy has been overthrown. You are not a slave. You have been rescued. And the good news of Jesus is that he looks upon us as a people who are in desperate straits and God, the very first missionary, sends his son not across the street or across the ocean but across the cosmos to bring the good news that Jesus has come. He has fought for you and for me, church. He has dealt the enemy a decisive blow on the cross and now he wants to share the good news that you are no longer a slave but you have been set free. This is what it means to be good news feet people. This is what it means to be missionaries. You understand that a missionary is not simply someone who dedicates their life by going to Asia or the Middle East or some other country. A missionary is any person who simply takes the good news of the gospel, saddles it onto their feet, and takes it across the street. And for some of us, it's not even across the street. It may just be across the hall of our house to the other bedroom where someone is living in fear or despair, who's frustrated, who's concerned, who may not yet know Christ, that the gospel, the good news is to be shared by good news feet kind of people wherever we go. And I got to tell you, the world, in my opinion, has never needed good news more than it needs today. And it's not just the virus, but there is a terminal virus inside every human soul called sin that if left unchecked will lead not simply to physical death, but eternal separation from God in hell for eternity. This is bad news, but the good news is that Jesus came And we get to share what he did. Is that worthy of an amen from anyone this morning? This is good news, church. And so Paul says these very important words. He says, how beautiful are the feet. But he doesn't start there. Notice this in verse 13. Everyone, everyone, by the way, this is you and me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've gone, who you've done it with. The good news is that the message is for you and for me and can be received by anyone. And by the way, at the end of this message, if you have any need, some of our elders are going to be out here at the prayer banner. And if you're ready to take your next step, hey, we've got a baptistry. And last I checked, the water is still wet. We will baptize you and introduce you to Jesus Christ. Your sins can be washed away and you can take your next step in being a good news foot kind of person as well. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, but he doesn't stop there because he recognizes there's a problem from the message where it is to where it needs to go. He says this, 
How then can they call in the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? He says, for people to know, someone's got to go. And God has given each of us the message and then the method, the good news feet kind of people. And he says, you take the good news, you share the good news because it is worthy of being shared. This is news that you can't keep to yourself. It needs to be given to others. And listen, we don't just need good news overseas. We need it right here. So I'm just calling on every missionary in this church By the way, if you are a Christ follower, then you are a missionary. You say, I didn't sign up to be a missionary. Tough. God gave you the message and he gave you feet. You're a missionary. And he's given you a mission field because we need the gospel of Jesus in Hickson. We need the gospel of Jesus in Saudi Daisy. We need the gospel of Jesus in East Brainerd and in Ottawa on Signal Mountain and Lookout Mountain, in Dalton, in Dayton, in Cleveland, in Georgia, in Nashville. We need the gospel of Jesus across this country more than anything or anyone else. It is the gospel of Jesus that will save men and women's souls. And God needs your feet to get the message out. And so this is the day where we're calling on all missionaries. It's time to get your shoes on. Or if you've got pretty toes, grab those sandals. Because today is the day for the missionaries of God's church to have beautiful feet with the message of Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to take time to celebrate that the missionary Jesus himself came. And he saved you. And he saved you. And he saved you, and he saved me, and he, he gave us this beautiful gift called communion, where gathering together, we get to remember that his gift cost him a lot. We often say that salvation is free. No, church, salvation is not free. It cost the infinite God his life. The gospel is not free because someone paid for it, but it is free for you and for me. There was a cost to it, though. And communion is the moment where before Jesus walked his final steps to the cross, he said, I want you to remember this moment. I'm going to invite you to take your communion pack. If you're at home joining us, I invite you to grab some bread and some juice or some wine and join us in this moment Because this is the moment where we get to remember, this is a recommissioning moment every Sunday where the mission field is beckoning and God is saying, before you go, remember, I first went and now I'm sending you. If people are going to know, you've got to go. And so he gives us the bread and the juice. Now the bread, if you're new to church, if you've never experienced this, let me explain, because this can be weird if you're not a Christ follower. Everyone's like, this this isn't a snack. This This is like a chiclet with a dropper full of water. I mean, what's this for? Is this to fill us up? No, no, no. This isn't to fill us up physically, but to reinvigorate us spiritually and to remind us of what Christ did. The bread, by the way, if, uh, if you're having trouble opening it, there's a little cellophane top. Just peel that back. Under it, you'll find the wafer. The wafer, of course, symbolizes and represents the body of Jesus Christ broken on the cross for us. Understand that the penalty of my sin is complete and total annihilation and separation from God, literally being rent apart. 
And Christ said, I'll step in and I will break my body on your behalf. The juice underneath the aluminum foil here is not magical. It won't change you. It won't immunize you from a disease from this world. But it is a reminder that the blood of Christ, which flowed from the cross of Calvary, immunizes us from death and the effects of sin. And so when we take the body and the blood, this is not a snack. This is a celebration of what Christ did and is continuing to do through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so I'm going to invite you, if you are a Christ follower, if you have received good news, would you take this as a moment of good news? And in a second, we're going to put on screen a prompt here with three questions. We're going to give you two minutes. So I'm going to invite you to to pause and to consider this. If you're with family that you can talk to, I encourage you, lean over and talk to someone about it. Communion is common union with God and common union with each other. And so as good news feet kind of people, let's take this together. Father, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. As the ancient pagan prophet once said and then Paul adopted as a Christian statement of truth. It is in him, you, Father, that we live, we move, we have our very being. Life does not come from anything but you. And so as we take the bread and drink the juice, I pray that our hearts will remember the missionary Jesus who left his home to come to ours to die and to live And to then say, you have this gift, go share it. May we be good news feet kind of people. We thank you, Jesus, for giving us good news. It's in your name we pray, amen.